Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New England Patriots. This is the Patriots Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Patriots Wire editor, Henry McKenna. Hey there, welcome into the show. Week 18 of the regular season. Week 18, Henry, it's weird. It, we've had an extra week this year, and it still feels like it went by way too fast. We're at the end already. Uh, here's where I wanted to start, though. The Pats are in the playoffs. They beat Jacksonville, and the Dolphins lost to Tennessee last week. That clinched the berth for the Pats. And I think starting off the show this week, we should just take a moment to appreciate that, right? The Pats move on from Tom Brady, tear it down, build it back up. All the way through, they remain competitive. And now they're back in the playoffs, right? They ended the one-year playoff drought, as I like to say. So uh, that is something that we should be appreciating, first and foremost, going into uh, Week 18, going into January. Totally. I mean, the, the continued success. Bill Belichick has not missed back-to-back postseasons ever in his Patriots career. That's a hell of a and you, Yeah, you, and you've seen countless coaches never make the playoffs and get fired before they get a chance or just spend multiple years in a place and, and never make it. So obviously a tremendous success um, for him to get back after Tom Brady. This is his first postseason without, without Brady. And the year that we've talked about this on, on this podcast, the year that was supposedly a rebuild year, they, they won seven games. They went seven and nine. That's, that's really not a rebuild year. Uh, that's, they were in playoff contention, you know, until the last, I think, four weeks or something like that, which not great. But um, still, it, you know, an impressive um, way to bounce back from t- the greatest quarterback of all time leaving your roster. I mean, that that's devastating. That could ruin a franchise for, for decades. And Bill Belichick missed the playoffs once and <laughs> kind of blamed the salary cap, but also had some other problems, including drafting, but bounced back in, in 2021. I mean, a great rookie class, um, a mixed bag in free agency, but enough hits to bring them back into relevance. And so here they are, you know, with a, a relatively bright future, you know, maybe not in the immediate postseason. I don't know how much, how far they can go, but a bright future in the, over the next, you know, four-ish years while Mac Jones is still on his rookie contract. So it's a big – I mean, I think Patriots fans get spoiled and and, and maybe over the last, you know, 18 months, um, two years, they've started to get a taste of, like, uncertainty. <laughs> I think a part of why this, game, this season was so exciting was you really didn't know how it was going to end. Because, like, every other Patriots season is like a Marvel movie where, like, you, you just know that, the like, the superheroes are going to beat the bad guys. It's <laughs> a good way to put it's it. Just like, and so the the Patriots would be the superheroes, even though, you know, that's, this is according to Patriots fans. Um, even though they fell to two and two, you know, they would go on to win a Super Bowl. And... You know, we'd seen that storyline play out again and again and again, and everybody knew how it would end. And um, so they didn't have that level of certainty for, for Patriots fans, and that's what made this season week to week pretty cool is you didn't know what was going to come. You didn't know whether they could win. 
and you didn't know whether they were for real. Um, and, and yeah, so I think it's a, a huge, huge milestone. Um, I think Belichick deserves probably coach of year honors, even though he, I don't even think he's in consideration anymore. Um, and, uh, it seems like so long as Belichick doesn't retire, this team is set up to continue winning in the future. Yeah, the, the Patriots' way of rebuilding, just winning seven games and, and doing it in one season, Henry, must be annoying to everybody. And uh, yeah, not only are they back, but Mac Jones. Uh, I don't think he's arrived. I don't think he's there yet. I don't think he's going to lead the Pats to the Super Bowl or anything like that. We'll get into it. But he does look like he's developing into a franchise quarterback or could. And uh, that's just another feather in the Patriots' cap that they have the quarterback. And, and that's where we're at. So yeah, I just that's where I wanted to start today. Just kind of appreciating where we're at we're heading to the playoffs and now the question is what seed are they going to be what matchup is it going to be we'll get into all that but Patriots 50 Henry Jaguars 10 it was a uh it was worse than we thought we talked about this last week when you talked me down from being worried about a 16 and a half point spread you, you started rattling off um all the the Jaguars that were going to be out of this game on their depth chart it really was a JV team that the Patriots faced from the Jaguars what did we learn, right? What did we learn? What was the number one thing that you learned from this uh, this whooping the Pats put on the Jags? I wrote that we didn't learn anything, honestly. I, I know that sounds sort of like, I don't know if it's like nihilism or what, but... <laughs> I have to agree, though. I, right. Yeah, I mean, it's a big win, but they, they've been good at blowing out bad teams all year because this team is really good when they dictate the terms of the game. The thing is, when they play better opponents, they can't dictate the terms. And all of a sudden, they're out of their element. And then they're, like, not good. It, they go from being a very competent team to a very below-average one. Um, and there's, like, this razor-thin line. So, you know, we didn't, we didn't get an opportunity to see if they've developed into a more competent team against elite-caliber defenses. Because the Jaguars aren't one, and and the Dolphins are a little bit better. They're they're higher up. Um, Brian Flores runs a tight ship, so that might be a better chance to see if the Patriots, you know, are making progress of dictating terms against challenging matchups. But looking at this game alone, we saw them win with the blueprint that we know they're already good at winning with, which is get a lead. Use the defense to generate takeaways. Let the offense um, score efficiently. And and because the Jaguars' defense was bad, they actually scored like with increased efficiency. Meaning like they were scoring touchdowns, not just kicking field goals. Um, yeah, Mac Jones looked as comfortable as he's ever looked throwing against one of the worst defenses in the. It is the worst defense in the NFL. It was, that was that was awful. That was awful. Yes. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I don't think as a team we learned anything from the from the Pats. Uh, I don't know what we can hang our hats on from this game. 50 to 10. 50 to 10. The Patriots are just kind of goofing around having fun the whole time. But I think there is one thing that we can take from this game, Henry, and is that they've been looking at Christian Wilkerson, right? The uh, the training camp star wide receiver. And he got a shot in this game and he took advantage and you've been writing about it on Pats Wire. Everyone's been kind of talking about Wilkerson because Nikhil Harry was a healthy scratch. Probably because he can't catch the ball, right? Or, or can't consistently get open. But he's a healthy scratch. Wilkerson starts and he catches two uh, touchdowns for Mac Jones. And he played the most wide receiver snaps in this ballgame. So I guess as a fan, my question to you, Henry, is 
Was this more of the Pats just giving Wilkerson a hard look? Because, again, they're playing a JV defense in this game. They knew they were going to whip the Jaguars, I think, given the personnel. Do you think they just had Wilkerson up to give him a look because maybe he's been practicing well? Or do you think this is real? Do you think Wilkerson has caught or maybe surpassed Nikhil Harry in their eyes and that we could see Wilkerson be active in playoff games? It's all the above. I have a nuanced take on Christian Wilkerson, which is the reason why he was active was in large part due to Nelson Aguilar being inactive. Now, it was a, it's a different story than last week, which was Nikhil Harry being active and playing a bunch. So what did they learn last week against the Bills? That Nikhil Harry's not good. <laughs> I mean, we, are, we already knew that. We continue to learn like, that, yes. Confirmation number 15. And so they put him out there. They gave him a bunch of snaps, and he was a nuisance in the passing game. He's a fine run blocker, I know. If all those Patriots fans that love him are yelling back at me. Are there but stands? He, are there, there's Nikhil Harry stands out there? Well, there there are a few on Twitter. Um, <laughs> and particularly, actually, Matt Chatham uh, at Nesson and The Athletic. He uh, he loves him, some Nikhil Harry. Interesting. Okay, but, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, but anyway, so Nikhil, you know, he struggled against the Buffalo Bills. And so the Patriots were like, okay, you know what? We're ready to try something new. Aguilar misses another week. Wilkerson's actually a better natural fit to replace Aguilar than Harry um, because of just the style of play, the, the body type, etc. So the Patriots put Wilkerson in there. They give him, like you were saying, they give him that look that he deserves because he's, he's been practicing well all season. And then he puts up two touchdowns, which is great. The thing that worried me a little bit about going like all in on Wilkerson's going to be a contributor in the playoffs is that I think Aguilar is going to come back in the first week week of the playoffs. And so Wilkerson will then drop to wide receiver four. But I do think that's where he is after that week because um, he was good enough to, to be better than Nikhil Harry doesn't take much, but he made a few key drops and had a little bit of difficulty with the deep ball, which he sh- he he should have had bigger plays. He should have had. He had eight targets for four catches and forty two yards. It felt like more than that, but that was because it probably should have been more than that. He dropped a third touchdown on a deep ball for Mac Jones that was like perfect. We we actually saw him drop balls in the preseason on similarly like sweet passes from Jones. So I think that second half was sort of where you saw the the young player mistakes creep in and it's sort of a reminder that like let's say Nelson Aguilar was playing in this game maybe he would have put together like a three touchdown a hundred yard performance right and when you think of like comparative you know advantages between players so you know I was impressed with Wilkerson I think everybody was was like pleased to see a, a young receiver excel I do think there were growing pains that people kind of are are ignoring um, just because the narrative is fun. And so I think he falls to wide receiver four when the postseason rolls around. But that, so that means basically he's going to be active probably, but not um, playing. The, the one way I could see Nikhil Harry sticking around on active roster is if they feel they need a blocking receiver because – Jacoby Myers is fine. Nelson Aguilar is fine. 
I actually don't know how good of a blocker Bourne is. I haven't watched him close enough, but Harry is exceptional. And so if the Patriots really want a run-focused attack, I could see them activating Harry as their, like, receiver blocker um, because they have Aguilar, who's an upgrade over Wilkerson, and Wilkerson is so different than Harry that, like, maybe it's like a it's not like a talent thing, but it's a matchup thing where they would want Harry's skill set, even though he's not, he's not very good at getting open or catching the football. Yeah, that that makes sense. They're not the same kind of body type. They don't play they they play the same position, but they got very different styles. So maybe the right. Wilkerson Harry thing isn't the, the most fair thing. Although everyone's having fun piling on to kill Harry because. Right. What, else, what else can you do, right, Henry? What else can you do? Yeah. So, all right. Well, we'll see. The Patriots are in the playoffs. We'll see what their matchup ends up being after this week. We'll talk about that and more in our questions of the week. Stick with us. This is the Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Week 18 of the fantasy football season. I'm Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com here to bring you strong plays in case you're still in the championship hunt. Quarterback Sam Darnold, Carolina Panthers at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Risky for sure, but he has some weapons left in the passing game, and the Buccaneers have given up plenty of fantasy points to the position in the 2021 season. Eight quarterbacks have gone over the 20 point mark, and while Darnold barely managed half of that in week 16, he faces a Tampa defense for the second time that may take an opportunity to get a little healthier before the more important work begins. Running back Deontay Foreman, Tennessee Titans at Houston Texans. Foreman should be a fixture in lineups provided Derrick Henry doesn't return. And he's still useful as a flex even if Henry does come back. The Texans have given up the most fantasy points per game to running backs in the last five weeks, and the third most on the year. No team has permitted touchdowns at a higher frequency, and this is the number two matchup for rushing yards per game since week Week 12. Wide receiver Cyril Grayson, Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus Carolina Panthers. Thrust into increased playing time due to injury, among other predictable outcomes, Grayson has been explosive each and every time he's been granted a chance to show it. In Week 8 versus the New Orleans Saints, he housed his only target on a 50-yarder. In the past two games, he has 11 targets, turning them into 9 receptions for 162 yards and a score. Tom Brady will play in this one, and the bizarre ending to Antonio Brown's career as a Buccaneer opens the door for Grayson to see at least a half dozen targets versus a Carolina secondary that's banged up and has given up a ton of PPR points in recent weeks. Tight end Hunter Henry, New England Patriots at Miami Dolphins. In the last five weeks, Henry has scored twice, both coming in Week 15's 25.7 point outburst against an Indianapolis defense that struggles versus tight ends. He has no more than three catches for 37 yards in any of the other matchups in that time, and he managed just 31 yards on three grabs in Week 1 versus Miami. In fairness, that was his first game with New England, and it was quarterback Mac Jones's NFL debut. Miami has allowed two scores to the position in the last four games, coming at the eighth highest frequency, and this is the 10th best opponent to face for yards per game since week 12. The fun doesn't stop at the huddle. Be sure to check us out at thehuddle.com for more award-winning fantasy football tips, news, and advice. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. Typico.com for terms and conditions, 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. It's time for our questions of the week. Three questions for Henry that typically I come up with for him, either on the Patriots or other big topics from around the NFL. And now we have a way for you, the listener, to join us in this segment. 
You can ask Henry and myself a question by calling area code 508-203-1215 and leave us a voicemail. So again, if you would like to be part of the show and you have a question about the team that you'd like us to cover, leave us a voicemail at area code 508-203-1215. We'll pick some questions each week to play over the air and give you our takes. We look forward to hearing from you. All right, Henry, but here's question number one. If the top five in the AFC, as it stands right now, stays pat in week 18, the Patriots will be playing the Bills in Buffalo on Wild Card Weekend. Is that the best case scenario for the Patriots, given their other potential matchups? I did a rankings of this this week, and I, I keep changing my mind on what's the best matchup. Is it the Bills, who they've seen before and have beaten before, even though it was a fluky anomaly weathered game? Is it the Bengals, who actually don't have that good of a defense? So maybe we were talking about dictating terms of the game. Maybe the, the Bengals are actually like, just because they beat the Chiefs last week, it doesn't necessarily mean they're the best team in the AFC and it doesn't necessarily mean they're actually a bad matchup because their defense is so bad. They feel scary, but they might, they might actually be the best matchup, even though they feel scary coming off that win over Casey. Right. The problem obviously with the Bengals is, you know, the defense may be bad, but Jamar Chase, T Higgins and Tyler Boyd. I mean, how do you match up? Think about Isaiah McKenzie went off for 130 yards against miles Bryant. Imagine what Tyler Boyd or T. Higgins can do. Scary. These teams that can spread the pats out and do that, like the Bills did. And the Bills didn't have Cole Beasley and Gabe Davis in that game either, (laughs) if we're being honest with ourselves. So, yeah, that is scary, right? Yeah. You can start making a case for every one of these teams to be a a good matchup. And then you start to second-guess yourself. I I actually think the best matchup of, like, the likely teams – is the Colts because the Patriots beat the Colts or lost to the Colts in Indy in that dome. Um, but they did, unlike the Bills game where I think they played like relatively clean, the Patriots did everything they could to beat themselves against the Colts, like penalties throughout the game, wiping away points, a block punt allowed, two interceptions from Mac Jones, and that's a good defense. So, like, I want to give them credit that they generated those turnovers, but I think Mac Jones can have games where he doesn't make those boneheaded mistakes, you know, in the first 33 minutes or whatever. Um, So I think the Patriots, if they saw the Colts again, would play a cleaner game and have a better bet of beating them. And then just behind that, I think the Bills are similarly – beatable team because i don't think josh allen is going to be as perfect um as he was in that second matchup if it's a a bad weather game up in buffalo but it will be in buffalo so that's a tough place to win in the postseason basically i'm just getting at every one of these teams is good and so they're you know i think indy is the most beatable to answer answer the question (laughs) well it's weird going into the playoffs not knowing what's going to happen right because back in the day the pats would just go in there as the one or two seed every year right so it's a little different I, I actually agree with you 100%. Yeah, the Colts, that would be good because Carson Wentz is playing horrible football right now. He just is. Right. So just stop the run yeah. and don't turn it over. And you're right there with them and you're right. at home in that matchup. That would that would probably be my favorite matchup for the Pats. I agree with you 100%. The Bills seems the most likely. And if it is the Bills, you nailed it. I had this whole like spiel that I had in front of me, Henry, ready to go. If it's Buffalo, I'm not going to be mad if it's bad weather because... We've seen it, right? We have a track record with the Bills. They got trucked by the Colts in bad weather. 
They got trucked by the Patriots in bad weather. They had a hard time with the Falcons last week in the snow and wind in Buffalo. They were trailing at halftime, and I can't imagine how Bills fans were thinking, right? Henry, they do all that work. They beat the Patriots in Foxborough. They have the division in their control, and they their fans have to look at halftime. The Bills are down 15-14 to the Falcons at home, while the Patriots at the time were up 34-3. to I can't imagine their fans were thrilled about that. And then Josh Allen threw his third interception to lead off the third quarter. So there's something about the Bills and the weather. I think that's a real thing, and I would like the Patriots kind of narrowing that talent gap, taking away that passing attack that Josh Allen and the Bills do have that that would give them problems in bad weather. I would feel okay about it, but if the conditions are fine for throwing, I would still fear the Bills a lot. But yeah, I think we talked ourselves into the Colts being our favorite matchup. I think that's what we uh, we came up with. And now I'm going to just flip this on you in question number two. Finish this sentence for me. So this is not exactly a question, but just bear with me here. Finish this sentence for me however, you, however you'd like, Henry. Antonio Brown's half-naked exit during the Bucks jets game on Sunday was... Depressing? Find the, I don't know. Find the politically correct answer. Troubling? He, I, I, that guy is... His history between grave accusations of sexual assault and uh, financial implications of playing for teams for big money and never delivering, like, threatening to retire. And, like, I mean, he's just, like... He's a total zoo of a player. Yes. And, and the fact that teams keep giving him a chance is insane. And, you know, there's more. The facts are coming out about this um, this wild send-off for Antonio Brown, where clearly, like, his camp, his agents or his whatever managers, who knows. But they're they're putting out the information that, you know, he was hurt and couldn't like he didn't want to play because he was so hurt and didn't want to play through pain. And then the Bucks tried to make him play through pain and then he refused. And then they were like, fine, then just leave. And he did or, or something like that. I mean, it's like there there there's this information war now as yep. to like who was more in the wrong. Yeah. Bruce Arians is and, denying that and saying that there was no talk of an injury. And yeah, it goes on and on and on. Right. It, I mean, all of it is just ridiculous. So I don't know. I, I, do, I want nothing to do with that guy. Uh, I hope that, you know, he gets, as Tom Brady said, I hope that guy gets the help that he needs. He was a Patriot. This could have all happened <laughs> when he was with, a, with the well, Patriots. Like, it did we, all happen. It, I mean, not exactly did. him yeah. taking off his shirt, but like he <laughs> showed up, they paid him, I forget, 10 million or something. Yeah. And he was gone within two weeks because. You know, a few days after they signed him, the accusations of sexual assault and sexual harassment came out of the woodwork. And there was just tons and tons of incidents of it. And and the Patriots had to let him go because of how bad it got. Yeah, it's wild. I will say this. It was insane TV, right? Because I was watching the Red Zone channel when it happened. And I literally had to rewind it back like five times, Henry. Because it was one of those, I got to see this again. What what just happened? Kind of. I know. Yeah. Everybody was laughing at it. I'm. I'm, I get that it's funny, but I'm I'm just like troubled by it, man. It's like you don't know what's going on in that guy's brain. You don't know if he's got a mental health issue. You don't know if he's got a physical health issue. You don't know what the heck is going on. And so I have a hard time making jokes of it because you don't know what like you don't know what the context is. It's, I agree. Yeah. Uh, um, all right. So let's <laughs> let's let's change the tone here in question number three. Uh, a a two part question in honor of John Madden, the late John Madden. Give me your favorite team. And your favorite singular player of all time to queue up in the Madden video game, Henry? 
That's tough. I was actually, I, I haven't played video games in a long time, but I was a big 2K guy. Yep. And I'm pretty sure my favorite player in 2K was Larry Johnson, the running back uh, for the Chiefs. Is that, am I thinking of the right player? Probably, yeah. Yeah, Larry Johnson. He was, uh, he was in, in the year that I played the 2K, um, the most, he was like a 95 or something rating. And just like I would take him to the house every single play. Um, and it was really fun. Uh, as for Madden, um, in the sake of honoring the late great, uh, I think this is going to be a cop out. I, I um, once did like a create build a franchise situation. Or no, I just created a franchise. And, and that was I, your I was favorite playing team? The, no, no. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Well, the, I was playing with the Patriots and building a franchise with them. And Tom Brady got hurt. And so this other player, you know, some rookie who didn't actually exist, was on the team as a backup. And I just turned him into the next Tom Brady and <laughs> traded Brady the next offseason. Um, Did you get a good I also, back? Yeah. I think so. I also really liked playing with the Bengals because uh, when I was younger, I loved their jerseys. Um, so, yeah, that's a way too long and eclectic answer of my, my video game history. You never but, know yeah. where Henry's going with these questions, which is why you got to ask him. <laughs> uh, okay, here's the right answer, Henry. You, you, you missed it. The right answer was the Pats in uh, Madden 09. That was my team. I think that was okay. the year that Brady and Moss were both a 99. So you just throw Brady oh, to okay. Moss. Brady to Moss. Yeah. You also had Wes Welker. Yep. You had Kevin Falk. The defense was no slouch. So, uh, yeah, Madden 09, coming off that, that was the one that was coming off that epic 07 season uh, when those ratings just really popped, especially for Randy Moss, who, you know, had been cooked right. and then he wasn't, you know, he was right. reborn. That had to be my my favorite. But then everybody for the singular player goes to Mike Vick, right? Madden 04, do the 15-step drop, yes. scramble. That's all you and, do every play. And then scramble, right. 15-step <laughs> yeah, drop, roll out, code. scramble. Yeah, yeah. Right. So much fun. So much fun. So, uh, all right. Those are our questions of the week. Coming up next, we're going to look at the spread in this ball game against Miami and make a prediction. We'll do that right after this. This is the Typical Sports Book Minute. Let's make this interesting. What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bet Slippin' Podcast presented by SportsbookWire.com. I'm here with my handicap and homie Nathan Beagle to break down this week's Sunday night football game between the Los Angeles Chargers and the Las Vegas Raiders. Our friends at Typico Sportsbook have the Chargers favored 3.5 in Las Vegas, a total sitting at 49.5. I'm taking the 3 in the hook with the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders are 6-4 and four against the spread as an underdog. The Chargers are 4-6 and six against the spread as a favorite. The Raiders may be getting tight end Darren Waller back, and I have this game as a pick so you give me the extra three and a half points with the home underdog and a must win, I'll take the Raiders. Nate, how do you see this game playing out? I'll also be taking the Raiders. The Chargers have the third worst rush defense in the NFL, and the Raiders have been forced feeding into Josh Jacobs with at least 15 carries over his last three. Give me the Raiders three and a half. Allegiant will be rocking. That was your typical Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. 
All right, Henry, Pats are six-and-a-half-point favorites in Miami. This game was flexed to the late window around with Buffalo, so we're going to be able to watch the Bills and the Pats go uh, simultaneously. The Patriots, obviously, they still could win the division, but we need the Bills to lose to the Jets. And uh, although the Jets put, you know, gave Tom Brady a hard time last week, I do not see that happening. I do not see the Bills losing to the Jets. So my, my question about this spread, Henry, is six-and-a-half, right? That's... On the surface, that's a little nerve-wracking because Brian Flores and the Dolphins know how to play the Pats, and you're always going to be nervous if you're a Pats fan about these late-season, warm-weather games in Miami. So that's just, like, ingrained in us. But there are two things that give me a little bit of comfort about this matchup, and it's number one, Mac Jones is a different quarterback. They're using Mac Jones different than week one. I think we can all agree on that. And I think the Patriots as a whole, they're a better team than they were in week one when we saw Miami last. And number two... The Dolphins just got eliminated from the playoffs last week when they lost to the Titans, and they had won seven straight games to get back in it, right? They were out of it. They were cooked. They won seven in a row to get back in the hunt, and they lost to the Titans, and now they're out. They didn't even make it to Week 18, so it's like that's kind of a gut punch for them, right? Are they going to be able to get off the mat and play a really good football game to knock off the Pats? I don't think so. I, I, I think the Pats have something to play for, and the Dolphins are like, uh, that's a gut punch. I think it's going to be hard for them to recover, so... Those things give me a little bit of comfort, but what do you? How are you feeling about this matchup and that spread of six and a half? Uh, you know, it's, it's definitely a tough one. It is because the seven-game win streak streak left everyone feeling oh, like overrating the Dolphins. And so the Titans kind of sobered everyone's perspective of them this year up because the teams that the Dolphins played during that win streak they were they were really bad. They weren't good. So that's the, a good point. So Dolphins. The Dolphins are allowing 21.8 points per game. One know how many points they're scoring. It's bad. They are scoring... Under 20. I'm pulling it up. I'm going to say under 20. Oh, yeah. They're scoring 19.3, which is crazy. That's, that's, <laughs> that's low. Like, that's low in the NFL. They're, they're, with, they're with the Jets, the Bears, the Lions, the Panthers. Like That's the company that they keep this year. Um. <laughs> My gut instinct being like, you know, around this team for so long, being like, yeah, the Patriots are are always in, in trouble in Miami. Um, thinks okay, they're they you you should take the points because the Dolphins are probably going to cover and keep this close because they hate Bill Belichick, Brian Flores, and Belichick have a little beef, and you know, there's always a little extra motivation between that rivalry and. It's only the stakes have only risen with the two coaches having having you know some tension, and then even above that, um, you know it's a, it's pretty good defense. And we were talking about how putting this team off balance requires a good defense. And then I'm talking myself into it on the other end because, like you said, you know the Dolphins don't have anything to play for, and the Patriots want to bump up their seating because, like, yeah, the Colts or you know whoever else it might be are a better matchup than these top end of the, the standings teams. So I haven't actually made a decision here, <laughs> but um, it's typical. For I us. guess I'm riding the fence. I guess I'm right. Well, that's what the line's there for, right? Yeah, it it is, is they make it hard. I think that the Patriots cover this line. Just, I, it's a hard one though, but I'll take, I'll take them to cover. Um, and I think it's a, such a good, it's going to be such a good game and that line's going to be so accurate that you just be careful like watching you know who's active and who's not who gets covid and who doesn't 
to have a good sense of like where where the line might shift um because if if there's a big a big shift at the last minute but i could see tua having a really bad game and then the defense the patriots offense plays like well enough to to finish off the dolphins yeah i'm with you on that so i'll take Give me the Patriots covering. Yeah, I like that too. I think I would lean that way. I'm not betting like multiple units on that, but I, w- I would bet it. I would bet one unit, maybe half a unit, if you if you want a little something on the game, because it is a close yeah. line. It's a really hard one. I think the total at 39 and a half. Now that's a super low number, but I feel like the under is a little bit of an easier bet for me. You were talking about how Miami can't score, Henry. Three of their last four games have gone under 40. Uh, they just don't score. And I think the style of both teams should hold the, the total down. You know, the Patriots can score 50 against the Jets and the Jaguars. But against good defenses, they're fine, like, playing a low-scoring kind of game, right? They're, they're, just, they're not going to, like, overextend themselves against good defenses, especially when their defense can dominate. So I do think the Dolphins can do a little bit of something on defense. I think the Patriots' defense should have their way with Miami. I think both teams won't be scoring a ton of points. I think I, I might like the under more than I like the spread. What do you think about that, though? Are you with me on that side of it? 39 and a half. I think it is a low I mean, number. It is low. It is, especially with the spread being seven. If you're going if you're going with the spread being seven, then you need a reason. I don't know. That makes me feel like there's a reasonable amount of scoring happening. Um, so let me just think about how this game is going to go, right? Patriots the Patriots are going to get good field position because two is probably going to turn over the football, but there will probably be a lot of field goals because Patriots offense is not going to drive that far. I guess. Yeah. Let's take the under. Let's take the under because Patriots are going to be hot and out of shape. I mean, not really because it's the end of the season. So they're in good shape, but like it's hard to play in the heat when you're not used to it. And the dolphins are a bad offense. That's not going to score. So, Let's take the under. Yeah, take the under. Mac Jones, he's going to be out of breath, doing his breathing exercises. He's under that hot Miami sun, right, Henry? Yeah, this is this is what we're talking right. about here. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, if you think about it, like 24 to 13, 24 to 10, those are, those are unders. That seems like a reasonable kind of score for this game. So we'll see. It'll probably be 38 to 31 after this whole segment you know, gets aired, but whatever. This, this is how it goes for us anyway. But all right, man, week 18. Looking forward to it, Pat's Dolphins. You ready for uh, you ready for some playoff talk next week, Henry? I think it's uh, we're back here in New England, back in the playoffs. It's a good place to be. It'll be a fun fun week to get ready for their, for whatever playoff matchup it'll be because I really think the Patriots have a shot of winning any matchup they get, but I also think you know they have have a rough a rough matchup also. You know, so it will yeah. make for a really uncertain and really exciting playoff game, whatever. And so this podcast will be the place to be next week. It'll be the place to be. Listen to Henry and I hem and haw over whether we think the Pats are going to win or not and how it's going to go. Right? <laughs> that's that's what it's going to be. But uh, I'm looking forward to that. Can't wait to see who the Pats are playing. Uh, appreciate all the listeners for uh, hanging with us this long. And we will catch you next week. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.